Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life transformation and human design coach who supports others on their own personal growth journeys. This show is all about rediscovering and reinventing who we are, and we are going to talk about it all. From wellness, spirituality, self-empowerment, energy, self-realization, sobriety, mental health awareness, literally anything that can help us along on our own self-project journeys. So let's dive right in. So I want to welcome to the show today, McCall Bennett Lawrence, and McCall has been active in 12-step programs for more than 20 years, and she's going to share more of her story about that with us in just a minute, which I'm really excited to dive into that. But she is also a podcast host, and the name of her podcast is Unboxing God. And it's a bi-weekly podcast that where she discusses more about spiritual issues involving God, philosophy, 12-step recovery, psychology. So she taps into wisdom of all the ages from great minds like Plato, Jung, Marcus Aurelius, Helen Keller, William James, Richard Feynman. I probably said that wrong. (laughs) Richard Feynman. As well as theologians and clergy to unbox the mysteries of God, spirituality, recovery, and the complicated, often contradictory messages they offer. Like if I could just throw my hands up right now, because (laughs) that's right up my alley. So McCall, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for being here this morning, for being on and being willing to share with us. And do you mind just kind of telling us a little bit more about you and what you do? Absolutely my pleasure. I'm honored to be here. I have found that sharing my story really takes some of the the negativity that I clung to away. And I started uncovering all these really beautiful memories that I think I avoided because they were conflicting with the story I was telling myself that I'm a victim. And how are you a martyr if you can see the good? in your story. So the more I tell my story, the more good I see in it. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I love that you say that, that, um, because sometimes I know with myself too, it's hard to share your story, especially when you don't, you you see the the darkness in it, I guess the shadow part of it. And you're like, I don't want to share that, but it's a healing quality to it. And it's, it transmutes it from, from shadow to, like you said, um, to, Hey, this is what happened. And like, here's my story. Here's my experience. Like, this is what it is. Well, Christy, I think for me, one of the most significant stories of my life was just a little bit of background. Like you said, I've been, I wandered into a 12 step room by way of child protective services. When I was about eight years old, I had come home from school and my mom wasn't home, which wasn't completely abnormal. I was a latchkey kid. She was a single mom working full-time, and I went to school right behind my house. Yeah, I literally had to walk through my yard, and that was it. But when she wasn't there the next morning and I let my teacher know, adults got involved, and it turned out she was in the hospital uh, going through a detox and then rehab. But my grandparents, her My maternal grandparents, her parents, lived on the far side of Cleveland, Ohio, opposite. the. We lived on the far east side. They lived on the far west side. So they were the closest relatives I had who would come and pick me up after I was done with a meeting, et cetera, let me sleep at their house, bring me back to school in the morning. And my grandmother was an especially incredible woman. She was one of those matriarchs that we don't see very often anymore, who just holds shit together without complaint, selfless in a way that she provided for herself by providing for others, and was actually content and happy at doing it. Um, So 
being kind of the the kid of the family disease of alcoholism allowed me great expression of all my um, my drama qualities. And one of the ways I expressed that was I kind of became punk and I shaved my head into a mohawk and dyed it and like, really... I wanted to be as obvious and noticeable as possible for a bunch of different reasons. Looking back and having done thorough, rigorous, and honest inventories on my behavior of childhood especially, I can see the reasons why when you grow up with an alcoholic and they're in a fog, you have to be real big and real loud to be noticed, right? to make an impact. And so my volume has always been hyper-dialed up. And when I came home in about seventh grade with a mohawk to my grandmother, who's this very, as I said, stoic (laughs) matriarch of a woman, and she didn't even look twice at me, it was upsetting. It pissed me off. And I, I mean, it was like playing chicken with another car. I didn't want to say anything because I wanted her to break first and say something. I knew she couldn't possibly approve of it. I knew it. And yet there was zero look on her face of disapproval. So I finally broke first and said, are you not going to say anything about my hair? And she's like, well, I don't have an opinion yet. I'm just having a reaction so that I don't feel that's fair to you. I was like, what the hell does that mean? And she said, well, maybe we could go somewhere where I could see other kids who have the same look. And then I would be able to have an opinion. But right now I'm not comfortable enough with it. I haven't been had enough exposure to have my own opinion about it. It's merely a reaction to a lack of exposure. So I think that telling my story allows me to have an honest opinion of it because of the exposure I give myself to all the sides of it. Each time I tell it, I allow another perspective in a little bit more. And then I start to think, oh, I don't have a tragic childhood. Like, really, there was some pretty amazing gifts of my childhood that I wasn't able to claim or even really remember Because I had a reaction, not an opinion. Oh, my gosh. I really love that. Um, I kind of love your grandma's perspective. I know it pissed you off at the time. But when you were saying it, I'm just like, oh, that's golden wisdom. Like, I might use that on my kids because I have a little one who very much is always trying to see once a reaction out of me. And so I'm very tempered with my reactions. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's. Wow. (laughs) I know it pissed you off, but that's good. (laughs) And I've also learned since then, not from her, but from my own experiments, because I live in Los Angeles, California, and have a now 14-year-old daughter. And I say she's a Hollywood 14, which translates to like 21, 22 in Iowa. Um, I have found that if there's something she's doing or starting to do or seeing someone that I don't care for, all I have to do is be all in about that thing. All 150% in. Talk about it. Talk to them. Talk about to her about all the time. Send her screenshots of it, something related to it. They get over it so fast. So yeah, that was that's my other <laughs> parenting learn because I've definitely raised some terrorists. I'm the mom who says no until I can't stand the whining anymore and then say yes. So they've learned, yeah. <laughs> and it's also it's very hard as you mentioned I I work this 12-step program called Al-Anon for the friends and families of alcoholics. And we are trained not to create or prevent any crisis from naturally occurring. Mm -hmm. Because one of the tendencies for someone who loves an alcoholic is to try to control. 
And being a parent and a recovering Al-Anon control addict is so hard because you don't know where that, you don't have the wisdom to know what is your responsibility and what isn't. Like, I can't say, oh, well, you just, you know, you raise yourself, hands off, you go to bed anytime you want, don't go to school if you don't want. Like, there has to be a line somewhere But I've learned very clearly that boundaries aren't rules. They're flexible. But kids need rules as well as boundaries. And it's just, it can be a real mind fuck. (laughs) It really can. Of giving them the dignity to make their own mistakes, as I've learned in my program. And yet not feel the responsibility for other people's judgment of me because of what my kids are doing. Oh, my God. Like to detach in that serious of a way, but still feel proud of my input as a parent. You're saying that right now. And I'm, I'm 100% with you because it's, it's that understanding of knowing like what they need. They need these boundaries. They, and then sometimes on the flip side, when I'm saying no to something, I'm thinking to myself, do I really need to say no to that? Like, is it really that big of a deal? And then, and then I get into that. Yeah. But if you say yes, then it looks like you're caving in and you get, it's almost like this fucking back and forth with yourself. (laughs) Another thing in, in Al-Anon, we have the do's and don'ts. And one of the don'ts is don't make threats. You don't intend to carry out. That's hard with a kid. Like, I don't, I never realized how many threats I make. Oh my God, right? Don't do that. I'm going to take your internet away. I'm going to. Right. And it has to keep escalating. And my, my process, my recovery is about de-escalating everything. That nothing as, is as urgent or important or dire as it feels because feelings aren't facts. There, yeah, their perspective, perceiving you perceive everybody's feelings different. So, do you feel because I've been through now on my side, I've been through 12 step recovery on the side of the alcoholic. Do you feel like it pretty Al Anon kind of closely mirrors the same 12 steps, right? Yeah, with the exception of one word that I carry my message to different people than an alcoholic does. An alcoholic can speak to other alcoholics. Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson, who were the founders of AA, really had a a save a drunk to stay sober little club that they would, instead of going into bars, they would go on the outside of bars and try to help someone have a spiritual awakening of some sort. And what confused me with the 12 steps is well, step two, I stumbled at. Step two is come to believe in a power greater than yourself. And I stumbled there, but I kept walking up. But step three, to give my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand him. Full stop. Full stop. I didn't grow up in religion You know, it's like asking a Jewish person to believe in Santa Claus. Like, if you don't have exposure to it, you have a reaction. You don't have an opinion. And I had a lot of reactions to the idea of God, especially as a dude, because I didn't grow up with a father. I had no male role model in my life. I had a very soft, loving, almost a feminine grandfather who was very quiet and gone a lot as a doctor. He was an OBGYN and... You know, middle of dinner, he'd be up and have to go deliver a baby. So, and then I wasn't raised with my bio father around. So the idea of God, the father was real hard for me Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel safe and nurturing. It felt punishing. And the exposure I had going to Hebrew school growing up I liked the familial feeling, but then being ripped out of that into a Catholic boarding school because my mom went back into rehab. When I was in eighth grade, I went to a Catholic boarding school and had to look at like crucifixes hanging on walls while I'm eating food in the cafeteria. And it messed my brain up. God as a person, like I couldn't conceive of a power greater than myself, no less a human who was fully God, really, really messed with my head. And from there, I went to a Quaker high school for boarding school. 
because my mom kept going back into the hospital. And the only boarding school in Ohio was this very rich, you know, showy Gilmore Academy Catholic school. So I ended up going up to Maine and going to boarding school in this like magical castle where you went underground through tunnels to get into the campus from your turret of a a boarding, like where I slept with on the girl's side. And then there was a boy's turret as well. And yeah, simply magical. And then every morning having an hour of just quiet time, that which is what Quakers do. Whether I did my homework or I, I did my own version of meditation and prayer, I think, just having that magical hour of connecting consciously with anything, even if it's silence, is greater than me. And silence is hard for me because as one of my hero uh, Al-Anon speakers says, my mind is a dangerous neighborhood that I really shouldn't go in alone, especially at night. And silence beckons me into that crazy brain. Mm. So I have been through a uh, the rigmarole of, of religious experiences and failed to ever rocket into the fourth dimension, as the big book says. Uh, and I was jealous. I was jealous of people that I saw with faith because they fa- I felt like they were always a little stoned on God. And I was like, I, I want to be a little numb about stuff that's happening. I want to have my head in the clouds a little too. And I would try so hard to fit their God into my God-shaped hole. And one of them would break. My hole, it just, it, it wasn't the same size. So I... I put God, quote unquote, in a box and I put it on a shelf and just said, I'm going to live my life without this, you know, kind of a stoic. I can be good without God and delved into some polymaths who who honor mystery, but without calling it God, like you mentioned, Richard Feynman, Einstein, any of those brilliant minds who love science still have something greater than themselves. And it's the unknown. It's the mystery. It's the space between the question and the answer or the next question. And that felt good enough for me. I was content with that for a long time. However, it felt, it wasn't, I I wasn't in that fourth dimension. I wasn't, I didn't have my head in a cloud. I didn't feel personally connected. I felt more like I turned on the lights because I knew there would be electricity there and used the higher power idea for my own needs. Not, I mean, merely to fulfill and check the boxes I thought I needed to check in the step work I did in a lot. Um, but I didn't have a personal relationship. And step 11 says that I'm supposed to pray and meditate to have conscious contact with the God of my understanding. And I'm like thinking om and kabucha and yoga. And and like, I don't even do gym. I'm a cigarette smoker still. Like I am, you know, I eat little Debbie snack cakes, not kombucha. Right. So (laughs) it didn't feel it felt too woo-woo, too touchy-feely, you know, like somebody's going to pull out a Ouija board and tell me that my great-grandmother is speaking to me. And it just felt like a very slippery slope in the kind of new age spirituality that I did see some people tapping into. The key for me was allowing myself to play. Mm. I missed out on a lot of play and just wandering, exploration, mental meandering as a child, because I was always surveying the surroundings, predicting the future and preventing a catastrophe. Or in those quiet moments where there wasn't another wave about to crash, I would reflect on the last wave that just crashed and what I did wrong or what someone else did wrong and how I was never in the moment to play. You're stuck in survival. Exactly. You're stuck in survival, making sure you were safe. 
making sure that survival instinct. Right. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't feel like I was the only person I needed to save. Mm -hmm. Every single living creature on the earth, male, female, young, old, animal, mineral, anything was my responsibility because no one else could see things like I could. I mean, my ego is so big and so broken at the same time, Christy. So for me, the key was what I think of as a Mr. Potato Head or Mrs. Potato Head deity. That I had done all this exploration and had all this exposure to these different faith walks. So I'd had all these experiences and exposure to different religious faith walks from Judaism to Catholicism to Quakers. And then I went and explored shamanism because my father's last name is Blackwood. So I thought I was American Indian. Convinced I was. I mean, what else could I be? The last name Blackwood, I must be. And he's from Minnesota. Like, yeah, obviously. So I explored all this American Indian great spirit faith. Uh, Wicca. I even looked into like Satanism and like, what is this really? Um, Christian, you name it. I explored it. and. I didn't have to throw all of it out. I just needed to do what I had heard since 1981. Take what you like and leave the rest. After a very brief interruption from my children, we were able to dive back into the interview. Have you ever listened to HR Mom? Hmm. On Facebook, follow HR Mom. Brilliant ideas like that for working at home with kids, especially. And getting them to take some responsibility. Like she has her kids do all her returns and exchanges just for the experience. Yeah, that's a genius idea. I need to get better and aside about doing stuff like that because um, I'm very much in that controlling space. Let me, you know, that was something I had to work through too. That controlling, like controlling everybody's experience, controlling how everybody's going to feel. And like, that was a huge thing for me. So I've found myself trying to break some of that and get the boys independent and they're hating it. They think I'm terrible. Like, no, you guys can be independent. Like, you're going to love me. When people pleasers stop pleasing people, people aren't pleased. (laughs) In our journey. But I I really love what you're saying. I feel like I'm, you know, when you're talking about you've explored like Satanism and I'm like, I feel like right now where I'm at is, is where you were exploring all those things because I had to kind of chuckle because I'm like, I even looked into that <laughs> and like just to, just to see, because I grew up kind of Christian, not really rigid. So I don't know why I have all these weird ideas around religion that I really had again, boxed myself into, um, you know, and when I kind of pulled those cards on myself this year and started exploring, like I said, what is, I've never felt connected to the idea, like you said, of, of God and like Jesus and things like that. But, you know, the idea of something, the unknown, the mystery, as you put it, is just a beautiful way of putting it. I always say the universe, like uh, just the universe, mother earth, like that's what I believe in. How am I had with the universe? is that so far away from me? It's so big that how do I have conscious contact with source energy or the divine or the universe? I have a sponsee who calls it Lou for love ocean universe. Another one who calls God uh, Mona for moon and nature. And so, so I decided to give myself permission and do an experiment just for 10 days to personalize God. Like just be silly. And I put my tongue firmly in my cheek and I stumbled upon this idea of where's Waldo? Because let's go with a hypothesis that God is real. Let's just start with that. Something God exists. If I'm going to have personal conscious contact and communication is really what prayer and meditation are. Prayer is talking to and meditation is listening to, right? 
in the old Oxford group way, it's two-way prayer that that Bill and, and Lois and all the founders of the 12 steps practiced. Uh, I couldn't do that with the universe. I needed an umbilical cord. I needed a, an extension cord to get to that energy. And Christians had had Jesus. And it I love like I'm a Jesus freak as far as the character goes, but the other people who like him, I'm not a huge fan of. And it turned me off enough that I couldn't quite swallow it whole. But calling God Waldo as an experiment put the ball in my court to look for like the I call them the red and white stripes. Like, look for the signs. Who cares if it's really God or not? Cannot God be made in my image as much as I'm made in theirs? Like, why can't? And and it's, you can go even da- it's scientifically, like the batter Meinhof principle. Whereas if you're looking to buy a car and you think you might want a Kia, you will inevitably notice Kias everywhere. However, if you change your mind and want a Lexus, you're going to start seeing Lexuses everywhere. I mean, you really do see what you seek. And I was thinking I was such a victim and that I could only see this black cloud following me that where's God in that, you know, that martyr stance of, well, maybe there's a God, but it doesn't know me. And it missed, you know, fuck it for 10 days. God is Waldo. God adores me. No one else even realizes that Waldo is actually what God's name is. You're the only, like, just get to know Waldo. And then all of these other layers, like the glasses that the character of Waldo wears are the glasses of compassion that I can look through and look at other people from God's point of view, not mine. And it uses the principles above personalities, you know, the principles of the program above my personality that judges other people. Plus, as I mentioned, I I felt like I needed attention my whole life. Like I was invisible. I was behind a one-way mirror. I could see everything and know everything, but no one could see and hear me. And suddenly this experiment and sharing about it, I start getting text messages from people regularly. To this day, three years later, anytime anyone sees anything having to do with Waldo and where's Waldo, they think of me. And when they text me, I feel like God itself is saying, I love you, I see you. So it's just this tongue and it makes me smile. And I like calling it a she because you think Waldo is a man. But come on, Waldo doesn't have a penis any more than God does. And there's this other character, Oddlaw, who is in black and yellow instead of red and white. And so, like, that's Satan, or that's the opposite. Because I always called them the black wolf and the white wolf. You know that Cherokee story about we always have two wolves fighting inside of us? Which is the one that wins? The one you feed. And that would keep me taking the next right action without shame and regret, which I can stumble into pretty pretty easily. And to think of... Waldo as the white wolf or the white dog and Oddlaw as the black and that barks loud and wants my attention, but I really don't benefit from feeding. So suddenly God is in the silver linings and I have the power to step back from the cloud and look for it and say, where the fuck's Waldo? And just that opened a floodgate of gifts for me. I mean, I am like a crazy religious freak. Like when we signed on to Zoom here to talk, you saw my name said McCall and Waldo. I'm like the Jesus freak who's got the bumper sticker that God's my co-pilot now, except God isn't God. God is Waldo for me. That's awesome. I, um, gosh, I resonate so much with this. Like I just, I I can't even over here because when you said um, personalizing God, that used to be kind of my jam too. So when I would go into prayer, it wouldn't be like your traditional prayer. It would literally be like me having a conversation and I would drop, you know, F-bombs and I would just be like, hey, it's me again, you know, like, like just this. And that would be my 
prayer and it's not your traditional prayer. So it just, you know, so that became my thing. Like, this is the way I talk to God, my God. I it started saying that this is the way I talk to my God, which that's my perception of God, my perception of my higher power, my perception of that loving, supportive, whatever it is that's out there guiding me. Because like you said, um, I struggled with the idea of higher power too. I think I think everybody has to have some sort of higher power. I think at some point in your life, you're going to run into something to some kind of situation. Again, you're going to struggle with what it is and going through that. But at some point, you just, there has to be something bigger than us, man. Like this, this, this shit, this world is too crazy. Like for there not to be something, for there just not to be something, you know? But I always, I think my miss perception was that people believe in God for afterlife Mm. so that they're not in hell and burning and and misery for eternity or whatever. And I didn't buy into the afterlife thing. Like if you're unconscious, you're not, you're not experiencing anything. Like I've been under anesthesia. The time doesn't like, that is what I thought being dead would be like. like, And that's being with God and not being with any, like it didn't, it wasn't a motivation for me. What I have found is that Waldo is about waking up tomorrow. It's not waking up after I die. It's about wanting to wake up tomorrow and going on a scavenger hunt, looking for the good. Like, that's not about religion. It's about exploration. It's about looking for awe and finding and following my bliss. Like, what makes me happy? Not what prevents a crisis, which has been my motor, whatever it is, operandi for decades. You know, predict and prevent all the pain for you and for everybody else. And it's just an unreasonable goal. And it's a misery-making goal. And it's a Sisyphusian, horrible process that I've gotten myself into. So just an experiment and going, what if today I chalk up Fibonacci's spiral and the golden ratio and the, the mathematics of the world to God? What if I just see it in things? I don't have to judge other people. I don't have to go to church. And I remember when I was little, I told a woman that she asked if I prayed. Uh, An older black woman, a Jehovah Witness, who knocked on my door. My mom was passed out. And so she and I sat and talked for quite a long time. And she asked if I prayed. And I said, you know, like I shaved my head into a mohawk to get attention. I said, I say fuck you to God <laughs> was in like fifth grade. And again, instead of looking offended, she actually looked at me and said, you know what? At least you're speaking to him. And so F you was an okay prayer for a long time for me. At least I acknowledged something. Yeah. I was going to say if it's kind of like a relationship in a way, like, um, obviously on your end, it was a fuck you relationship, but, um, but it's there, you know? And now as a parent of teenagers, I've heard that said under breath. Um, and it doesn't change my love for them. Sometimes it changes my like for them in the moment, but it doesn't change the core of my love. And once that started registering, it's just been this growth where my faith, if you can call it that, allows me to appreciate other people's faith. Like if I can lead for 45 minutes and talk about Waldo and ask other people to hear Krishna or Buddha or Jesus or Ra, whatever it is. Why can't I listen to a pastor talking about Jesus Christ and hear Waldo? It's a little bit like you said, at um, kind of where your focus is, is what you're going to get out of it. 
So you, are you focused on like the vehicle that it's coming from and all the semantics and the details around that? Or are you just kind of honing in on the message and taking, basically taking the pieces of it that you, that you need, that you want? So the pandemic hit and I was in, I worked I'm in publishing children's books and I run wholesale for bookstores and distributors, brick and mortar businesses and like sell displays and stuff. And obviously people aren't going into bookstores and being enticed by beautiful displays of children's books. They're buying them online. So I lost my job and did another experiment In the meantime, before this, I had transitioned from fuck you to thank you was my next prayer. And then I transitioned to surprise me because one of my issues is anger. I come at things. I use anger as the gas in my gas tank to keep me going instead of being sad and, you know, immobile. Uh, And a lot of my anger, when I trace it upstream, my resentments come from expectations. Because I was so apt to predict the future and often dead on. I mean, uncannily able, let's say. Yeah, you develop that intuition. Absolutely. I can read a room. I can read people. I sense things. But those are feelings, not facts. And I would operate as if they were facts and then feel a responsibility to do something about it, to change the course. And that's Waldo's role, not mine. But I didn't have a Waldo, you know? So surprise me and praying surprise me put me in a place of whatever happens, I'm ready to meet it. I'm ready to open the door when a door presents itself. I don't need to paint bridges to cross. They'll be there eventually, and I just need to cross them. So... I decided when I lost my job to say, surprise me. As scared as I was, I dared Waldo to surprise me with something good. And over the course of 24, 48 hours or so, three different people said, have you ever considered doing a podcast? I was like, no, never. But I have a rule of threes. Once is a fluke. Twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. And Waldo speaks in coincidences. So if something happens two times, I strongly think about it. If it only happens once, I can blow it off and wait. There's no need for an action. But when that third person asked me, I was like, shoot. And I said something to my husband, and my husband, other people have called Mr. Invisible or Mr. Cellophane. He doesn't have a, where I'm emotional and talkative, he is not. Equal opposite, yin to my yang. Uh, And he said, oh, that, you really should do that. And we, 2020, we have excised should, have to, need to, got to, musts from our vocabulary to to one another and to ourselves. And it is a hard and worthy process, I'll tell you. Uh, And he looked at me and he was like, and I mean should. Within 24 more hours, I saw a post in some huge, like, female entrepreneur group on Facebook that a lady works at a podcast network and isn't working right now. And the first five people who, you know, write her with a great idea for a podcast, she'll help get you started. I was like, okay, Waldo. So I did. And I just said, surprise me. I'm going to do this, whatever it takes with no money and make it work. And I decided to call it unboxing quote God because it scared me, honestly. And because my prayer was lean into your fears and dare them to do their worst, then cut them down when they try. And for one day, if I really live the one day at a time principle, I can do anything. I don't need to be afraid and I don't need to predict the future. I don't even need to think about publishing this podcast. I just need to put it out. I need to create it and see if I can do it. 
And I did. And I was terrified. My in-laws are born again Christians, very scared for the the well-being of their grandchildren and their son and my souls. And I was using the word God, which offended me. Anybody who might listen and be open to my ideas, I thought this is going to offend them too. And I was like, yeah, 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 well, you know, what's the word? So what? Then no one listens to it. Big deal. And I'll be damned if for seven months, every single week for 36 episodes, I put something out there. And I am not real great with consistency. Like I don't even brush my teeth every single night. I am not a habitual kind of person. My mom is the alcoholic. She does habits. I don't. I try real hard and am not very good at doing the same thing. And I managed to. And I just, I say, I went down rabbit holes. I promised Waldo in a prayer and meditation kind of moment that I would just follow the white rabbit, you know, explore, wonder, wander, ask, invite other people and be open and in the moment to have a conversation and hear what someone else is saying and let it add to my life without judgment and reaction, but seeking enough exposure that I didn't have that reaction. Like my grandmother, I could form an opinion. And the, I don't know what to call them other than miracles. I mean, craziest shit I've ever experienced in my life has come off of this dare. And just my willingness to step into it. So I say, I always would take, I tried taking God off the shelf because I'd put him in a box and put him on the shelf. But every time I did that, I'd step into a boxing ring. And so the idea of unboxing God was kind of like what my grandmother needed. It was exposure so that I could find my opinion and I could define God for myself and call it anything. You know, I have an episode that's all about a rose by any other name. Like, it doesn't matter what you call it. The problem with, quote, religions and the business of faith is that it creates this us and them, this other. It's like politics. Like, it's, there's, it's divisive instead of unifying. And coming up, searching, the research I've done, I mean, every single week of my show, it was like another senior thesis project where I would explore Jung or I'd explore how I could trace AA from Jung to today's meetings or William James. How does William James, where's the overlap between William James and my 12-step program? And it's immense. Like it's there. If you ask a question, you can find answers that will blow your mind. And through all this research of all these different faiths, um, Sikhism and, and the Upanishads and so many nuanced faith walks that all have a core handful of truths. You know, Christians called the red letter words or whatever, like what Jesus says in the Bible as this is factual truth. But if Jesus said it, Buddha said it, Joseph Smith, like if if it's historically true and applicable to the most like nano level microscopic scale, as well as my 3D, you know, tangible reality as well as universal galactic scale, if it's true, it will be true on all those levels. And it will be true in all those faiths and all those scriptures or holy texts. And that perennial wisdom is so worth tapping into because I thought my life was about turning black and white into grays, you know, that I could start to see the shades of black and white. I didn't even consider that there was neon fucking colors. Like this world is an epic, unlimited box of crayons. And I had been looking for just 
the basic pack. I really like, um, I love that analogy. Like you said, um, I'm just kind of pondering that because I look at the world a lot too and just like the black and white and the shades of gray. So I'm just kind of um, pondering how you said there is, there's fucking neon out there too. Like there's, um, yeah, I come at that perspective a lot. Like you said, the shades of gray. So um, that's just beautiful that there is all of these colors. There is going to be what you're looking for. Again, so it's about taking that perspective and taking that step back, like you said, and just just kind of looking and taking it all in. Don't you feel like just absolutely for me, what Al-Anon allows is a pause. And I really think that Waldo, God, whatever goodness lays in that gap, in that pause. I have an episode, my last episode of this season of Unboxing God is on love and boundaries, and it's called English Muffin Intimacy. And I use a lot of visual analogies, as you can tell, from boxes of crayons to whatever. Uh, And the whole point and the culmination of my exploration and the idea that God is love allowed me to see the critical issue with love as I applied it or I practiced it. I used to squish myself like a piece of Wonder Bread into someone else to try to squeeze out all the air and the gaps between us so that we were the same. So we were one. We were unified. All my gaps were filled, my missing piece, as Shel Silverstein would put it. English muffin intimacy, the thing about English muffins that makes them so fucking good is the nooks and crannies. It's the space between the halves. That's where the butter pools. That's where the, yeah, that's where the jelly goes. That's where all the goodness is, is the space between. It's what makes parts of it really crispy and parts soft that there's texture and depth, not this homogenous wonder bread ball that is dense and, you know, it's just, I was so sure and operating by instinct that the closer I get to somebody, the more they'll love me, the more I'll love them. But familiarity breeds contempt and the closer I got, the less I liked them, the less they wanted to be around me. And then the more desperate I'd become, the uglier, the clingier, the more paranoid and sure that they're cheating. I mean, it just crazy ensued. When I pause and step back from pushing my face against the cloud so that all I can see is the black cloud that's following McCall and pause. And I leave room for something else, some mystery, some surprise me. I allow those nooks and crannies to collect universal source energy, whatever it is, collective unconsciousness, intuition, wisdom in that space between. In action, in thought, in feelings, in relationships, a pause makes all the difference in the way I interact with everything, with material items even. I don't grab as quick. I don't stub my toe as often. I don't get in as many car, well, I do get in car accidents still. Um, Yeah, I always say there's zero alcoholics who have caused as much damage as this child of an alcoholic has been able to and not even have alcohol is a good excuse. So, yeah, for me, it's all about the pause. Hurry and indecision are two of the greatest pests and recognizing them as part of odd law, as part of the opposite, the black dog, and really a a farce. It's not real. Unless there is blood or fire involved, chances are something urgent isn't that important. 
And usually important things aren't very urgent and shouldn't be handled as if they are. Because you're not looking at the full menu. You're looking at the black and white options. Like, and one must be right and one's got to be wrong. And I get crazy in my indecisiveness. And then that hurry that I've got to make a decision fast. And I go back and forth and I get panicked. And, and my emotions overwhelm other people and push them away when those are the moments that I most need other people to reason things out with. Because there's never two options on a menu. If I'm only seeing two choices, I'm off base. I need to pause, connect with someone else, God, whatever, or another human being. Just make a phone call. See if other people can add to the menu items because there might be things that I wasn't considering that I could choose that feel a lot less intense than the black and white choice I'm looking at. And again, it's that pause and stepping back to get a different perspective and being able to see that silver lining. And that is so relaxing and so fulfilling. I don't need to tread water. I don't need to bitch at how hard life is and how much I have to do and blame other people for not pulling their chair. I can float. I can literally stop treading. And just lay back and float. And the current will carry me wherever I'm going to go. And totally counterintuitive to everything I thought I knew. But, or that it's work. Like, I got to read things and pray a certain way and talk to certain people and go to certain places on certain days and sing certain songs and not do other things. Like, it was just drawing lines for myself and boxing myself in instead of really opening up God and McCall and seeing what's there. Coloring outside of the lines without fear of repercussion or without intent to create an effect in someone else, to live freely in a place of goodness and, and contentment, even happiness, regardless of if someone is shit-faced drunk or not, and regardless if they're paying attention to me or not. And I really didn't believe it was possible. I really didn't, Christy. Like, if anybody, I am 47 years old, and I was I got like baptized at 30, trying desperately, desperately to find something that would fill that space instead of acknowledging and honoring that space as divine. Can I just say that I, um, I really enjoy your analogies because I'm a very visual person. So everything that you've explained, yeah, I'm just like, oh, if you noticed, I've been over here like, mm, mm. <laughs> so I really enjoy the way that you explain things that helps me have a kind of a greater understanding. And I feel um, just a lot of our similar story around this is mirrored the way that we're unboxing, you know. God, literally, that's what you're doing. You're unpacking, you know, what you believe in, what all of this crap, all of this crap that we've been talking about all throughout this episode. And I know I've had you on here for a million years, and I feel like we could probably talk for tons more hours just about, <laughs> you know, everything. And I talked the whole time. Oh, I'm a no, this has been awesome because I've literally, I've just been kind of like, I feel like I'm just like, Yes, yes. Just everything that you're explaining really speaks to me. And like I said, I'm a very visual person. So I just feel like I have my own things to go process after our episode here. Like, I feel like you've given me extra things to think about myself because I'm in the middle of my own unboxing journey and just learning about other religions, learning, like we said, exploring mm -hmm. all the other things out there because I mean, not that there's no right and there's no wrong. I truly believe that. None of them are right. None of them are wrong. Like there's, it just is like, I don't know. 
And what's cool is a lot of a lot of faiths, like immediately what I comes to mind is Kabbalah. One of the things I learned in making my podcast is in the Kabbalah faith, the idea is that God creates a, a new world, a new person, a new experience every day, that creation isn't a one-time thing, that it's every night when you go to sleep, when you wake up the next day, you're a different you. And that drives home the idea of one day at a time, that really today in this moment is all I've got. That I don't need to be thinking about what's next. And if I do, it's actually taking me out of the gifts of this moment. You know, it's corny as shit, but the idea that uh, history is, what do they say? The future is a mystery. The past is history. And the present is a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, corny, yeah. but it's true. <laughs> it's really, I wasn't opening the presents that were in front of me. I was pissed off about the present I didn't get yesterday and expecting a present tomorrow and never opening the one that I had. So I want to leave you with my core tenant that has been rock solid in every situation. Like I said, from the micro to the macrocosm. Structure must submit to spirit. Because for me, structure allowed me the gray spots instead of such black and white, decisive, reactive actions. Structure, having having a, a routine that I do this in the morning, I do this in the afternoon, I check in, and, you know, and the steps and the structure of the steps and sponsors and sponsees and touching base and going to meetings and but when I clung to that and tried desperately to stay inside the lines so that I would fit in and things would feel okay, that's where hurry and indecision started creeping into being big problems because I felt like there were always a right and a wrong. And allowing myself to trust that structure truly must submit to spirit and be open to that enforces the surprise me prayer as well. I love that. I love that because it's, it's leaving yourself. It's again, I see when you're saying that it's again, taking step back from trying to control everything and just letting, letting life happen, letting the beauty come in. So letting myself experience it fine. Yeah, exactly. Stop trying to control everything. And yeah, just letting it it happen. I finally have room and space and desire and instinct to play and explore without an end. One of my favorite quotes is Ursula Le Guin says, it's nice to have an end to journey towards, but it's the journey that matters in the end. Because you are, and and then too, often you get to that end and then it's a lot of kind of what next. Like you get to that end and then what? So why, what are you running so hard for? Enjoy the journey because you, you hit that end and then what? And then what? Like, so enjoy every single piece of it. But as much as life is a series of endings, it's also a series of new beginnings, right? And that it's that gap in between that is so uncomfortable. But as one of my sponsors says, we don't grow in our comfort zone. That's where the growth happens. McCall, I've got to say thank you so much for everything today. Do you want to tell us um, where can we find you in your podcast app? Well, you can find the podcast just about anywhere. I Surprisingly, even on Amazon, I just found out. But yes, Spotify, Google, you name it. It's Unboxing God, and God is in quotations. Um, I'm working on a new project now. I finished season one of Unboxing God, and I'm working on a couple of other little projects that are in development with people. Uh, But you can always reach me. And I love getting personal messages. If somebody listens to this and something touched you and you want to talk, like I'm a real human being and available. And I like, as I said at the beginning, sharing because it, it benefits me, not just somebody else. So please do reach out. You can reach me at waldolovesme at gmail.com is my email address. 
And I will personally get back to anybody who writes. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram and all of the social stuff. Yeah, all those platforms. And we'll have everything. I'll have everything linked in show notes. So you can just go down and get that. Is there anything I feel like I feel like I'm taking up so much of your time. And like I said, we could talk forever. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? You think before we closed up? I would just reinforce to catch, to try to catch yourself making value judgments about things you hear or see or experience, uh, especially words that in meetings, in 12-step meetings, there's a lot of stuff that sounds real cheesy. You know, in, in our meeting, we say, we love you in a very special way. And it always made me a little <clears throat> nauseous. But allowing myself to pause and just wonder about it and explore it without angst or judgment allows those colors to develop from a black and white picture. Suddenly colors start coming to play and I can do with it what I want. I don't have to take it seriously to notice it and have it have a positive effect on my life and to share it with other people who knows, might help somebody else. And isn't that what it's about? I mean, that's what, I think that's why I'm in skin and bones right now is to connect to other people. So yeah, to, to really pause and allow experiment and exploration and wonder without judging and, and feeling rushed to make decisions. Just take, take it a little easy. Ease on down the road. Don't march. I love that. And take the time, yeah. Don't um, be so focused, like we said, on the outcome or the ending that you're not just looking around you while you go. Again, it comes back to cheesy saying, take time to smell the flowers, you know? It sounds so ridiculous and lame. Oh, my God. I hate having it come out of my mouth, but I have experienced it. And I can't go back and I just wish that everybody else could have a taste of that kind of joy and ease. It's so much easier than I thought it was. Then I make it. So, yeah, ease on down the road. I have to say thank you so much again for taking the time to be here today to share with us. Um, this was like I said, this was great. There's so much I feel like within this episode that's going to, that people can unbox themselves <laughs> that I think I'm going to spend time coming back and unboxing. Please do share with me if you do, if you take any of this and ease it down the road with yourself, share with me. It means a lot. I absolutely will. I would love that. Cause like I said, um, I don't feel like I'm quite as far along in my journey, but so many things that you're saying are resonating that I'm just like, wow. If, if what I said resonated with anyone, I would strongly recommend, even if you're not into the heady psychological, philosophical, theological exploration of God, that is a good part of my podcast. Starting at episode 12, which is on balance and the difference between centering between three points and balance, the energy needed to balance between two. Uh, starting with that episode and going through the bliss and awe and wonder episode and into the final episode on English muffin intimacy and love and boundaries very much is kind of the, the culmination of my exploration and a lot of what I spoke about today with you. Awesome. I would love to go check that out too. Cause like you said, I'm really just starting to dive into like the theology and all the really deep, like I just like to say the really deep, heavy shit behind it. So I would actually love to go check that out personally too. So thank you for sharing that. As we say at the end of our meetings, it works if you work it and you're worth it. 
Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.